0: Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. I don't know if you actually realize what an honor that is. The, the idea that the seat you're sitting in right now, the building you're sitting in is because of some of his leadership and because of his ability to lead uh, the church and where God was asking him to lead. And so um, it's, it's a great pleasure to have Jay be able to come up here and share what God has been doing in, uh, in his life in the last year and a half. And uh, I can't Man, I I can't think of a better way of introduction, but uh, Jay, I'm I'm blessed that you were being willing to step up and do this. So uh, Jay Oshbacher.
1: Thank you for that introduction. That's something new for me. I gotta look around and see everybody I knew and still know because you've been such an inspiration to me and growth in my own life. Thanks, Seth. And um, we're separated by many miles now And we don't have a chance to communicate like we did, but we're still in each other's heart, and when I come back, it's... Well, I'll leave it at that. But I want to thank you all, and I thank this church for the life you've given me, and for the opportunity to minister here for so many years. I can't waste time talking about all that. It was hard for me to Think about, what do I talk about? One, one chance I get, and thank you, Seth, for giving me the privilege and the joy of being able to share one more time. What do you talk about? and What's the most important thing in all of life? What would Jesus say? So I came up with this verse. It's uh, Matthew chapter 22. Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. In other words, it's the greatest thing we can do with our life, is to grow to love God. I'm going to talk about that a little bit. And then he said, second, love your neighbor, love other people, and love them like you love yourself. There's three things that Jesus came to heal us of, to restore in us three relationships, a relationship with God, a relationship with other people, and a relationship with ourself. And I'll talk about those three things. There's a fourth thing that God wants to do to restore our relationship. And that's a relationship with the earth that we live on. I had a joy yesterday of Sam took me out to the pines and I got to relax a little bit out there. We took some pictures and I don't know how they're going to show up on my little Bad little camera, little Canon, doesn't take very good pictures, so it might not show up really good up here. But um, I want to talk a little bit about our relationship with the earth. And um, we don't always appreciate nature and the world that God created and the earth he gave us, but it's our home. God made it to be our home. It's where we live. And when you think about it, you have a house you live in, right? And uh, that's supposed to be a sunset. It's not too bad, showing up. You have a home you live in, right? Where'd you get the materials for that? They all come from the earth. You eat food, don't you? Keeps you alive. Where do you get your food? It all comes from the earth? I think Native Americans have a lot to teach us about a relationship with the earth and respecting it and taking care of it. Where do you come from? God says you're created from the earth, from the dust of the ground. My grandson, he was five years old and he was over one time and he says, Grandpa, let's go out and pick up garbage along the road. People drop it all the time and it looks terrible. They shouldn't do that. So we grabbed a couple garbage sacks and we hid it out. And it wasn't long before our bags were full of garbage that we picked up along the highway, right along in front of our house. It didn't take long to get home. And I thought, that five-year-old kid, he's starting to understand something about taking care of the earth and respecting it and treating it as a home. Let me know how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, you drink your pop cans, you drink your drinks, you peel your bananas. How many of you just throw it in your living room and let it lay there? Huh? You do that? No, we don't do that. Where do we put it? Put it in a trash can so somebody can haul it away. God created the earth. The Bible says He is going to redeem this planet. Just like He's going to redeem our bodies. We're going to have a new body. We're going to have a new earth. God doesn't want to throw His earth away. He made it to be good. He made it to be our home. And I'll tell you, and I talk more about this in my book on hope, but I'll tell you, He's going to redeem this earth. He's going to come back as king. He's going to be king of this planet. And it's going to be part of the heaven that we're going to live on. We're going to live on this earth, recreated, restored, just like our bodies. We think heaven sometimes is way out there and we can't imagine what it's going to be like. No. We are part of God's created earth. And when he redeems us, he also redeems his planet. And we're going to live on it. And people say, why should we take care of this earth? Why should we even care about it? Because it's God's earth. And he's taking care of it. He wants us to take care of it. He's redeeming it. You might as well say about your own body, Hey, we're going to get a new body. Why should we care about our bodies? But we do, don't we? Because they're God's temple. There's one more picture I want to show you about that I took yesterday. I don't know how it's going to show up. I got to go up on uh, Signal Hill Maybe we'll get it. What's changed? Okay, let's talk about how Jesus came to restore our relationship with God. This song I can only imagine. Connie and I saw it in uh, Detroit. And I couldn't believe it when I saw it up on the theater here. Wow, that's come here. Some of you have seen it. It made this song mean a lot more to me. And I started thinking about this personally. When I meet Jesus, when I die and meet Him, what's that going to be like? How do I want that meeting to be? Am I going to fall down on my face in front of him? Am I gonna hug him like the greatest friend I ever knew because we know each other so well and we love each other like meeting old friends in this life? Am I gonna be ashamed that I haven't lived my life to honor him and shy away from him? And I thought about, how do I want to meet him? And I decided that I, when I meet Jesus, I want him to be a person who knows me, and I know him because we spent time together and got to know each other, because he's restored my relationship with God and all that that means. Excuse me for not pounding on the pulpit. Well, I never have done that anyway, but some of you are thinking, what in the world is wrong with your voice? And uh, I have a paralyzed vocal cord. And so it's always kind of raspy. And uh, that's what's wrong with my voice. So I'm glad for this little thing. So I decided that I wanted to have a relationship with Jesus. I thought of a of an old song in the church. And some of you newer Christians and new to the faith, you probably never heard of this song called In the Garden. It starts each verse like this. I come to the garden alone. He speaks and the sound of his voice is so sweet. I'd stay in the garden with him. Though the night around me be falling and it darkens, I'd stay in the garden with him. And then the chorus goes, um, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. And so I want to get with him more and more and just have personal times with him and hear him speak. You say, well, how does he talk? I mean, I talk to him. How does he talk to me? Through this book. I'm writing a new chapter in my next book called Why God Wrote a Book. We can communicate to each other. I want to have those times, so that when I meet him we know each other, and I can give him a hug, because he restored my relationship with God. I read a, I read a book to my grandkids when they come over. It's uh, Clifford, in the, Clifford the Big Red Dog. How many know that story? (laughs) Clifford the big red dog. The little girl, I think her name's Elizabeth, her neighbor, where they live, has these puppies. And so he invites her over to his apartment one day and he says, I have all these puppies and I want to give you one. And she looks at the puppies and she picks out Clifford. And he says, you don't want that dog. He's a runt. He's sickly all the time. He's not even going to live very long. You don't want that dog." And so she picks out Clifford. And she says, Clifford needs me. I like that dog. And that's the one she picks. And she takes Clifford home. He's just really, really small. And one day, Elizabeth's dad says to her, Clifford's really sick and he's not going to make it through the night. And she she takes Clifford and she lets Clifford sleep on her pillow that night. And she says, Clifford, Clifford, I want you to grow up and be healthy and strong. and Clifford, I love you, I love you. And then she said, the next morning when she got up, the book says Clifford looked bigger to her. And I didn't want my grandkids to miss the point of the story, that from that point on When Clifford heard how much he was loved and cared for by that girl, he began to get bigger and grow stronger because he was loved. When God restores your relationship with Him through Jesus Christ, and you start to deeply realize the love that God has for you, which many of you do, God doesn't become somebody you just go to to get things. God, help me. Give me safety on this trip. God, heal me. God, heal my wife. God, becomes somebody you go to because you want to be with him. Because there's a love relationship there. And you just want to hang out together. The second relationship that God wants to destroy, not destroy, restore, is our relationship with ourselves. Did we put that verse up there? Yeah, we did, the first one. Love others as you love yourself. you got to love yourself. but We can get so screwed up, so damaged. So many things wrong with us. Jesus came to heal us, to restore us back into the image of God that he created us to be in in the first place, to restore us to be like Christ. Our goal is to become like Jesus, our perfect example of what it means to be human. People say all the time, You know, we screw up, we goof up, we we hurt people, we forget things, and people say, oh, that's just, we're being human. No, we're not being human. Jesus is human. Jesus is what it means to be human. We're damaged humans. We're corrupted humans. We're not human. We are and we aren't. God wants to restore us to what it means to be human because that's how we're going to be in heaven. And that's where we get our start is now. We're becoming that way now. We're growing little by little and becoming like Jesus because that's what the light this world needs is to see what it means to really be like Jesus. So that maybe I want to be like him too because I see him in you. And when we let him heal the damage in our own lives and those character defects and little by little become more like Him and grow like that. That's Him healing us, enabling us to become human like Him. One day years ago, a man came to our church and he was a transient just coming through town. He'd call him a, a hobo, or a man on the streets. And he needed help. You know, I'm just traveling through, and I need help to get to my next destination, because you give me a few bucks, help me out. And he had a six-pack of beer with him. And I'm looking at that six-pack, and I'm thinking, Man, if I give this guy money, what's he going to do with it? Just go out and drink it up? Or is he going to use it for help, get him to his next place? And then I said, you know, I don't know if I can trust you by helping you. Got that six-pack there. And he says, oh, this doesn't mean anything to me. And then he took it outside, and we went outside, he went to the curb, and he opened up each one of those cans, and he dumped it in the street. And I said, man, where'd you come from? And we got to talking a little bit more. That's why you don't want to prejudge people. A lot of times people irritate us, we prejudge them, we don't really know them. Tim's... I didn't know that about Tim and his dad. after seeing what Tim went through. I love Tim. I'm deeper with him than I ever was. So I started talking to this guy. Learned more about him. He says, yeah, I was living with a Christian family. They took me in. They were helping me. They gave me a place to live. But he said, I ran away. I ran away because I'd asked him, how come you're on the streets? How come you're homeless? Well, I used to live with these people. They tried to help me, but I ran away. I said, why would you choose to live like this when you had that kind of support back there? He said, because I just couldn't stand to disappoint those people by failing them and not living up to the kind of person That they would want me to be. He felt in himself that he was unworthy of being loved. He was damaged. And we all have stuff that a lot of times we feel unworthy. That's why we're always telling people all the time, oh I don't want to accept your gift. It's hard for us to receive love a lot of times. He also had another problem. He was unwilling to accept people's love and help. And he chose to live the life he did and get himself and keep himself because he wasn't willing to have relationships with the people that could help him. That's what the church is all about. And then finally, Not only does God want to heal us in our relationship with God and in our relationship with ourselves, but he wants to heal our relationships with other people. He wants this earth to again be like it was in the garden and be where people could love each other. Isn't that what the world says? If only Love. If only we could love each other, then this world would be the place we want to live in. But it never gets there, does it? It never gets there. There's always wars. There's always people at each other. This country is so divided, especially in the last election. You could see it. And we just hate President Trump and let's get him out of there. And other people are hating the people that want him out of there. And we're so divided politically and people have to go into schools and kill their fellow students because they're damaged and yet Jesus all the time has come here to heal us and restore our relationships and we as God's people are the ones who are supposed to represent that to the rest of the world and draw them in. Jesus went about doing good. He healed people when he was here on earth. He fed people the hungry. He helped people with their diseases. He taught people the truth about God and how to live life. And they killed him. And Jesus said, they're going to kill you too if you live the way I lived. Are you willing to to have that happen? Because you see, Jesus' way of restoring the world to love was to overcome evil by doing good. It's the only way it's going to happen. So when Tony goes down south to help people that had their fences destroyed and help them rebuild a fence, he's doing good. He's overcoming the evil that happened there. When you go to a friend and pull him out of the bar because you're his friend, and you're just going to get drunk again, and you're doing good and helping that person, you're pulling him out of the evil things in his life and helping him. Every good thing you do is being like Christ, and that's how evil is overcome, and that's how Jesus lived. But some people didn't like Jesus. In fact, a chapter in my book on hope, I have a chapter on Jesus, and we think He just suffered on the cross. He just suffered when they beat Him up and made fun of Him and spit on Him and nailed Him to a cross. They thought He was a big joke. I cried when I wrote that chapter to think of Jesus like a big joke, when he's the most important person this world could ever know or see. He didn't just suffer on the cross. I talk about it. I looked up everything in the the Gospels and in the Old Testament of how Jesus suffered. He suffered by being called names, by being bullied. He suffered that all through his ministry. People called him names. He suffered by being rejected by his community. His own family thought he was crazy, and they went to get him and bring him home. He suffered everything we have suffered in life, and more. He can identify with us. But yet, he gave his life to love them. And when he died on a cross, he said, Father, They've called me names, they've beat me up, they've rejected me, they've not listened to my teachings, they've nailed me to this cross. Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. I have a movie in my collection of movies. I'm going to end with this story. So, It's called The End of the Spear. It's a true story about five missionaries back in the 50s who went to South America to the Amazon jungle because they heard about a tribe down there that was going extinct. This was a tribe of people who was divided amongst themselves. And they would raid each other's villages to take the women to be their wives, to take their stuff. And then they would get even with the other tribe, and then they'd go back and get even and take revenge, get even with them and kill them. They were killing each other off. And these missionaries said, let's go down there and tell them about Jesus so that they can stop killing each other and learn how to have Jesus in their life and learn what it means to love so they can have peace with each other. So they did that. They moved there. And they tried to make contact. They didn't know how to find these people in the jungle. And they would fly over trying to spot them. Finally they did and they landed on a riverbed on a little island in the middle of a river in the middle of a jungle. And they got out. They got out. And they started just walking around and making noise. The natives knew who they were. They'd seen their airplane flying around. So when the natives started walking toward them, because they had dropped gifts to them from the airplane, And so they thought, well, they'd struck a friendship and now they're coming. And so they greeted them as if they were friends. But they were afraid of the missionaries. Other white men had come to their villages and they were not there just to love them. They were there to hurt them. And so they were afraid of these white men. And so they killed all five of them with their spears, right there. They had guns, the missionaries had guns. They could have shot him. One of the missionaries' sons loved his dad so much. And he knew his dad was in danger every time he went out there. And he might not come back. And one day, his son called up his aunt. Because one of the aunt had made a friend with one of these tribespeople, a woman. And so he called up his aunt, and he knew she was learning the language of these people. And he said, How do you say I'm your friend in their language? And so the little boy learned that. And before his dad took off in his plane, he said, Dad, learn these words. And he taught his dad how to say, I'm your friend. I'm your friend. So his dad took off, and that's when his dad never came back. And when his dad was laying on the ground with a spear in him, still alive the person who killed him standing over him he looked up before he died and he repeated those words one time his son said to him dad if they come after you will you shoot them and he said no son no son why because they don't know Jesus yet and they're not going to go to heaven like we are. That son left when he grew up. He left to live in America. The women of those missionaries who were killed, some of them stayed there and eventually those tribes became Christian. But this son would never go back there. He hated. They killed his dad. One day he went down there for a funeral of one of the missionaries. And he was visiting there. One of the people from the tribe who'd become a Christian said to him, you grew up here. Why don't you come back and live with us? He didn't want to. They killed his dad. He hated them. Eventually, he came back. And one day, because he didn't want to come back, there was one of the tribe's people who had killed his dad who said, he needs to know what happened. He needs to know what happened. And this guy who killed his dad had been feeling so guilty for doing that. He could hardly live with himself. So when he came back, the man who killed his dad said, let's go on a ride, and they hopped in a canoe, and they went up the river to the place where it happened. And they dug out of the ground bits of the plane that they had buried there. And there was a little model airplane that belonged to the son that the dad had taken on the trip. And he found that airplane that was buried. And he said this, and he recognized that's my airplane. My dad made that for me. This is where it happened, isn't it? This is where my dad was killed. And he was starting to learn what happened. And then the guy said, yeah, and I'm the one who killed your dad. And he had his spear, and he gave it He gave it to that son, and he said, get your revenge, kill me. And that missionary son took his spear and he put it right up to his chest, and he couldn't do it. He knew too much about God's love, and at that point, he dropped the spear and he said, I forgive you. The man who had so much guilt over killing that other man now was relieved of that guilt. He was healed inside himself because somebody forgave him. He was partially restored as a human being and he could live with love and relationship with the person whose son he had killed, because they could be one in love because of that forgiveness. And the guy who hated him could stop hating him and love him because he was willing to forgive him and get rid of that hatred in his own life. And here's how the movie ends. Why didn't you kill me I took the life of your dad." And the son said, Nobody took my dad's life. He gave it. He gave it. To restore relationships with other people means learning from Jesus through our relationship with God, through being healed of our own damages, and loving others. It all works together to create a world of love. And we overcome evil, and we overcome all of that in this world by being like Jesus and doing good. Because good is what overcomes evil, and I guarantee you people are going to hate you as Christians. They already have a bad name. They already are being put down. If you say one single word about homosexual or lesbian or anything like that, that that's wrong or that's not God's way, they're going to label you a hate person, Christians are being hated all over the world, being persecuted, because people don't understand, just like they didn't understand Jesus, of what it takes to be a whole person. And Christians are the only one that should be learning that. But they don't know it. Somebody said, well, what's the church gonna be like twenty years from now, fifty years from now, a hundred years from now. Well, when Jesus comes back, I'll tell you what the church is going to be like. Jesus is going to be king. He's going to be in charge. And we, his people, are going to rule the world with him. We are going to rule the world with him. You say, is that in the Bible? You bet it's in the Bible in many places. That's where a church is going to be. So go out and do good. Don't be afraid of the persecution you might get. Just do good. Because someday, God's going to come back. He's going to reward you for your good, even if you get persecuted for it. Stand for it. Be strong. Persevere the hard times. Love people back. That's what Jesus is trying to turn us into. You get it? See it? All right. God bless you all. Father, only one thing. I would pray for myself and for everyone here. Guide us, direct us into your love. Your love. Amen. Amen. Hey, uh, I got this newspaper from from my sister in Ohio. I didn't know this about Montana. Montana is the most isolated, no, Glasgow, Montana, is the most isolated place in the whole state of Montana. Not only that, it's the most isolated, remote place in the entire 48 states. (laughs) And I got to live here for 44 years. (laughs) And raise my kids here. And I also learned from the courier, we still get the courier, it comes two or three weeks late, but uh, so, Tim, I'm not going to find out about track, the way the track ended up for two or three weeks yet from now but anyway uh, it said that Glasgow Montana is the fourth safe, safest place to live in the state of Montana so be glad you're here I know your kids you think there's nothing to do around here and you want to get out of here when you get to be seniors but think about that when you're raising your family how safe it is to be here we're in Detroit people are scared to death kill each other every day Hey, I never had to use this. Thank you, Lord. You got me through, got my voice through this. I uh, consider it a distinct honor to count both Jay and Seth as two of my uh, dearest friends, and knowing the stories of a seven-year-old waking up in the middle of the night, in the dark, scared, and wanting not to die, and later serving 44 years here. Pretty amazing. Seth, working at a Christian bookstore, just kind of trying to figure out life and the direction you're taking us uh, that God is using you for. It's amazing. But I think one of the things I've learned
0: from you guys is um, there's always going to be tough times. It's what what we do with those, what God uses those for, and sometimes become a lot greater than what we had. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes, because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.